welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. The Day of the Lord and the Lord's Day, or What Happens on Sundays, as read by the author Gage Crowder. The Day of the Lord and the Lord's Day, or what happens on Sundays? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. These words of Psalm 118.24 often echoed through my rural church, just after the handshaking time of fellowship, just before the sermon, calling us back into order from the lullaloo of brotherly love. But amidst the smiles, the hugs, and the candy swaps, Did we know what we were singing? The biblical theme of the day of the Lord runs from Genesis through Revelation. And whereas the Old Covenant believers met together on the Sabbath, we post-resurrection New Covenant believers meet on the first day of the week, Sunday, or as we most often call it, the Lord's Day. But in the Old Covenant, as well as in the New Covenant, the Lord's Day, or the day of the Lord, always has one meaning, judgment. And yet, This judgment may not be as bad as it sounds. Let's consider. In Genesis 3, we see the first day of the Lord. Following Adam and Eve's infidelity, we are told in our English Bibles that, quote, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day, end quote. Really, as scholars have pointed out for the last half century, a better translation of this verse is probably found in your Bible's footnotes. Quote, they heard the sound of the Lord God coming in the spirit of the day. In Genesis 1, God inspects everything at the end of six consecutive days and each time declares them to be penultimately good, finally announcing a very good at the end of day six over the totality of creation. Now, after the initial judgment, God comes to inspect Adam and Eve. Of course, a sovereign creator, he knows what they have done. Thus, he comes to them with a rushing wind in a blaze of the Spirit's glory, to pronounce that definitely negative judgment, not good. But that's not the end. Indeed, there are more days of the Lord, plural, in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 6 through 9 is another example. The Spirit of God is grieved by the increasing wickedness and violence of humanity. Thus, he promises to visit judgment after a period of perfect and complete patience, namely 120 years. After his patience, quote, that day arrives when the judgment of God rains down on the wicked in a flood of wrath. Later, only a few centuries after Israel's exodus, exile is looming on the horizon because of her rebellious and hard heart. Already rent asunder by foolishness, Judah, the less wicked southern tribe, hears the following from Yahweh through the prophet Joel. Blow a trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Further, just before Jerusalem's destruction, Judah is told that the great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, 
a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. And this is just what happened to Israel in 586 BC when Babylon raised Jerusalem. There are a few other instances in the Old Testament, but this sums it up. When the Spirit of the Lord comes on the day, you don't want to be around, and you certainly do not want to be the reason why it is coming. But that's just the problem. The day of the Lord is unavoidable. Man does not get to choose when God shows up for inspection, and he sets times throughout history when he promises to do just that. This theme continues in the New Testament. Jesus himself makes the explicit connection between the day of the Lord at Noah's flood and the day of the Lord that he will bring on Jerusalem in AD 70 for their rejection, baptizing them with the Holy Spirit and then fire as he promised. Peter amends Jesus and in fact connects it to Joel's day in Acts 2.20 at Pentecost, meaning that the day of the Lord is not a simple one-time event. It is a repeating pattern of judgment days that is leading to a final day of judgment. Indeed, a holocaust always follows a Pentecost. The Spirit always comes as a comfort to the righteous, but a judge to the wicked. With all of this in mind, let's consider our weekly gatherings that we glibly term the Lord's Day. Now do you see the implications packed into that phrase? When we gather week in and week out, we are coming together to be judged by God. Walking into the corporate worship of the church, we are stepping into a judgment. Yahweh promises to meet His people by His Spirit when they gather. And the thrice holy God of heaven and earth is not one to show up without noting the state of those in His presence. Now, aren't you edified and excited to come to church on Sunday? Well, you should be. And here's why. Because the church is not a collection of autonomous individuals consenting to worship God together and standing before God merely as a naked one with other ones. The church is a collection of covenant persons. That is, ourselves are not erased, but they are united. Though many, we are counted as one, for we are all one by water and spirit, Indeed, the church is the singular body of Christ. As such, God comes among us on the Lord's day and makes a judgment by His Spirit, and He is in some way judging the Son Himself. Thus, on Sunday, we are judged in Christ. This is good news. For Christ Jesus is the righteous one, and when judgment fell on the crucified Son, we see clearly, and we know how that turned out. He was raised from the dead, proving that there was no fault found in him. Moreover, quote, It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, delivered for our trespasses, and raised for our justification. End quote. Baptized into his death and resurrection, Jesus' judgment was our judgment. Jesus' resurrection was our resurrection, and Jesus' ascension to the throne was our ascension to the throne. Even so, Sunday after Sunday, when God comes down to judge, we are again declared to be righteous, justified in the righteous one. For assurance of this, look no further than the fact that God feeds us, food 
is fellowship. And God only eats with those whom he accepts in his presence. In this way, we are prepared week in and week out for our final inspection on the day of the Lord, our final acquittal, and our final acceptance to the table of the Lamb forever. Each Sunday on the Lord's Day, we experience a miniature day of the Lord that is preparing us for the last day of the Lord. Accordingly, we are to become what we have been declared to be, namely, righteous. Our position in Christ must increasingly correspond to our practical likeness to Christ, so that at the final, eternal Lord's Day, in our newly resurrected bodies, what is true of us by faith will be true by sight. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com.